Hello, it's so good to have you with us here at Leadership for Sustainability. This is the podcast where we help you lead on sustainability to deliver results and make a real difference in the world. I'm Osbert Lancaster, longtime sustainability coach, consultant and trainer, and co-founder of Realize Earth. My guest this week is Alan Hendry. He says that working on sustainability meant his job used to be annoying people, but now that awareness and interest is much more widespread, his role is all about supporting colleagues to make their services more sustainable. Alan is Sustainability Director with Mott MacDonald. Alan, it's great to have you with us. In my mind, going back a few years now, but Mott MacDonald sort of means engineering consultancy. I had a quick look at the website, a lot of other stuff going on. Just kick us off. What is Mott MacDonald these days and what does your role as Sustainability Director involve? So Mott MacDonald is a global consultancy working across the world, delivering a whole range of services quite a big focus on infrastructure, but we've also got huge numbers of people you know, working on environmental issues, got a big cohort working on social value. So it's it's like a lot of large companies now, we, we cover so many different areas, circular economy is one that's of interest to us. So the, the key thing for us in terms of working with clients is, is to bring approaches that are low carbon, more sustainable, and help them not only deliver the infrastructure, whatever services they need, but to do it in a way that reduces carbon and, and delivers wider, wider outcomes and wider social benefits. So it sounds like sustainability is woven through all of your services. So what does that mean for a sustainability director? How do you fit into that? It's yeah. not like a business which isn't sustainable. It's like your yes. job is to make it sustainable. So I see my role as supporting colleagues in terms of making our services more sustainable. Often it's a case of just linking folks up together. So like any large organization, we've got some great technical expertise, but often the service is better when it's it's delivered in collaboration with other colleagues. So I think it's understanding what your clients' needs are and then ensuring that what we offer here from Mommy Donald meets them. So for me, it's not just about delivering a piece of infrastructure. It's about securing those wider benefits and you know if we look at sort of for instance in Scotland with the strategic sort of outcomes they, they go across a whole range of of uh, needs and benefits and you know they're closely aligned I would say to the UN SDGs so this is the strategic it, objectives so are the, the government's yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and the the, the performance framework the uh, strategic performance framework yeah. which covers social environmental economic and I think it's bringing that approach to the delivery of infrastructure it is so important because it's mm-hmm. not just about a new bridge or you know a new railway line it's about how is that delivered is it delivered in a low carbon way and what's it doing for supporting jobs in the local economy so I see my role as kind of trying to deliver those wider benefits. Mm-hmm. So I, I used to describe it as my, my job was just annoying people, but <laughs> increasingly there's fewer people to annoy because actually, you know, I would say these days people understand the sort of the wider sustainability agenda much more than they did say when I started a number of years ago, which is great. It is really good. But yeah, one just keeps pushing it. That's a bit of a shift from annoying people to now more like helping people Indeed. do what they want to do. Yeah, that's good to hear. So my main focus is, is Scotland, Ireland, Northern Ireland, which is, is a really interesting area to work in because all three countries are going at 
you know, uh, they're doing well on sustainability, but slightly different paces in some of them. So there's, I think there's real opportunity to kind of share best practice, you know, copy the good stuff that works. And it's, you know, there's clearly a strong bond between Scotland and Ireland and Northern Ireland anyway. So it's, uh, it's, it's a good environment mm-hmm. to be working in. So how, how long have you been doing this role? If not McDonald, probably coming up to two years. So mm-hmm. I joined uh, shortly before COP. So that was a great time to come into the business, given that COP was being hosted in Glasgow. So, uh, yeah, and one of the first pieces of work I did with the business was we produced a report on accelerating to net zero for ICE Scotland, Institute of Civil Engineers. <clears throat> so they were keen to know what were some of the blockers for us raising the game on net zero. So very interesting piece of work in terms of engaging with a, a whole range of stakeholders and those who fund, deliver, design, operate infrastructure to kind of get the understanding of where they saw challenges and opportunities. So we came up with a number of recommendations in that report. So that that was a great way to start with MOTS because it meant nice. I was going out and speaking to lots of people and uh, using the network that I've built up over many, many years. Well, I'm going to sort of come back to some of the things you've been working on, but before looking ahead just now, what's getting you sort of excited or fired up about sustainability? What's sort of the interesting stuff at the moment for you? Well, yeah, I think the fact that a number of both governments and, and major companies are now being held to account in, in the courts in terms of what they're saying about net zero and sustainability, I see as, as progressive because, uh, you know, there is a lot of talk about greenwash, but the fact that there's now people being held to account through the court system, I think will ensure that we, we do start to get better outcomes. And it also means that people do need to, to up their game and you know, be honest about what they're delivering. So that's exciting. But also just, I think by some of my younger colleagues, their enthusiasm and, and knowledge around sustainability is, is just first class. And so I have, I have good hopes for the, the future. I think there's a, a cohort of folks coming through who really get it. Good to hear. And, you know, they will be moving up the, the, the career ladder and uh, bringing that understanding and knowledge with them. So I'm, I'm, I'm at times optimistic. <laughs> Great. That's really exciting. Okay, so turning now to some of, the, some of your, you know, what you've been doing, you know, some of the things you've been working on in your career, what's some, some aspect of that that you feel that you're sort of you know, particularly proud of? You felt, yeah, that was really, that was really worth doing. Well, one of the things I started a number of years ago with a previous employer was running a, a monthly, we called it the Global Sustainability Call. And uh, I would essentially go out to some of our clients and we would make contact with our head of sustainability or a senior member of staff, whether it's chief executive or head of sustainability. We'd ask them to do, to do a webinar for us. And that happened once a month. So we had a whole, a whole range of, of people speak on those uh, and from my perspective, it was good because it showed it was about sharing good practice because pretty much all organizations, businesses in the, the public sector are doing something good. Do, do they, they all do the good stuff together? Probably not. So I think the more you can showcase things that work. So, you know, with the likes of Unilever on, Coca-Cola, the World Business Council for Sustainable Development. We basically opened up those calls to, to everyone in the company. So it meant that, you know, from our graduates to our senior leaders could actually listen in to, to folks. So from my perspective, pushing sustainability in a business 
it was good that our clients would come on and talk about some of their aspirations because sometimes that's a more powerful message when the client is saying, this is where we want to be, this is what we want to do. So there's information gathering, there's often a bit of inspiration, but it's something other than, I'm now doing at MOTS and we probably do maybe two a month. But I think that just that sharing of of clients' aspirations is is for me very important because it's, you know, it's essentially hearing it from the horse's mouth. It's not me saying, you know, sustainability is very important to client A. It's actually the client himself who's saying it. And, you know, they will talk about the stuff they're 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 good at. They'll probably be honest to say that, you know, here's areas we need need support. So I'm I'm proud of that in terms of it um, spreading the word on sustainability and I think probably making it more accessible and demystifying some of it. And, you know, we've covered all aspects, sustainability, whether it's the social aspects, the environmental, the economic. So we've had various speakers from Scottish government. We had Chris Stark in the office a few months ago and did a session with staff and clients. And they're just, I think people appreciate the ability to be able to ask and question some of our clients on what they're doing. What sort of difference is that making from Mott McDonald as a business and as a place to work as well? I find it a very collaborative business. So often when we do do work, you know, we do it with, you know, with a, with our supply chain. So I don't think MD is going to say everyone has all the answers. So it's, you know, putting that collective together to make sure you're offering the best services. But I think it shows that we're, you know, we're outward looking We've got our finger on the pulse in terms of what's happening in terms of whether it's policy or technology around sustainability. It's building our network and it's enhancing the knowledge of staff within the business who get to kind of hear these sessions. You know, we also ensure they're always recorded as well. So if you can't actually make the the, the time of the, the presentation, there's an opportunity to, to catch up later. And I think, you know, I'm just a great believer in having face-to-face time with people, whether it's through this method or, mm-hmm. you know, actually in the office, because you get a, an understanding of their needs and you can then align that to, to the services we can offer. So, so okay, so you'd, you've done something similar in your, in your career before, then you brought that sort of same approach to, to Mark McDonald. I can imagine other people might think, oh, that sounds a great idea. How do I go about that? How did you start doing that? What was the, what was the process for you? I think often if I would be at a conference and I heard somebody who was a particularly good speaker, I would just essentially go up and ask them. I've probably done, no, I don't know, a hundred of these things now, maybe more. But I think there's only ever been two people who said, no, I'd rather not. And my my experience is that people working in sustainability are generally very open. They're very keen to share. You know, we need as many people as possible working on this agenda when you, you look at the figures and you look at where we are in terms of meeting our targets, you know, this is a this is a huge team sport. So the more people you can get helping deliver sustainable solutions, then the better. So I think, uh, you know, the way I've done it is just ask people. And what about from the internal perspective? You ask someone to come and speak, you put out an email and just like happened? Or was there more, you know, what did you need to get people on yeah. board to build support for this internally? No, I think essentially said I'd done it before I'd like to do it again and it was tapping into a network I already had so you know we we do a mix of both external speakers and internal speakers because there's some brilliant expertise here we've got one chap who's doing some really really interesting work on microplastics and water you know cutting edge so very keen to both share what our clients think but also share you know the good capability that we have within what we do. And I would say generally, you know, as a business, 
you know, on a weekly basis, you know, I do the runs around sustainability, but there's others doing similar things as well. And some doing, say, things that might be more technically, more of a technical discipline, whether that's ecology or, you know, renewables or whatever. So there's there's a very rich kind of network within the company about sharing good mm-hmm. practice anyway. So I guess I was pushing mm-hmm. an open door with the sessions I've been running. So you said there's this network of people sharing good practice and it was a culture of that. Mm. What does that look like in practice? Is it like a formal thing? There's like, these are the opportunities or is there stuff happening between the cracks as well? How does it work? It's probably operates on both levels. So there's, you know, there's this, there's a series that will be announced on our, our intranet, but also, you know, you'll have more locally based activities happening that are, you know, so, so next week we have, Jim McDonald, the Chief Executive of Architecture and Design Scotland. So he's actually going to come into our Edinburgh office and we'll do that very much just as an in-person event because it's, it's you know, Architecture and Design Scotland is obviously a specifically Scottish organisation. Yeah. So that's one. But other sessions we might do would have much, you know, something like Chris Stark, he has got applicability across the UK. So we would do those sessions both as in-person but also put it on Teams so people could listen in. My preference is always to, to do these things in person as much as possible, but the ability to also make a Teams event means that we can reach a lot more people than we normally would, which is, you know, which which brings a whole range of benefits. I can imagine there's a whole lot of sort of absorption of us, like hearing what the clients are doing, what they're looking for, what they're struggling with, perhaps. And also there's the experts within the organization and outside sharing these ideas. Are there any particular times, whether whether it's for yourself or whether you're, like, you're seeing this in the audience where, or someone's told you afterwards, it's like, that was, yeah, that was just really helpful. That was, a, or something's changed. I'm thinking about something differently. Is there, have there been sort of those aha moments that you're aware of with, with this I, I would stuff? say there was. It's, it's uh, now that you've asked, I can't really think of a specific <laughs> one, but there, there have been, you know, there have been time people have said that was really good. That was really insightful. And it may be now that, you know, they will make a connection with whoever the speaker was, because they've got a specific issue they want to discuss. Also, you know, we're very interested in new technologies coming through. So recently we visited a fantastic company called Catagen in Belfast who are doing stuff around hydrogen and very keen that, you know, we build a relationship with them and share some of the good stuff they're doing. Because again, as I say, we need more people working in this area. So yeah, people have said that, that was enlightening and they've learned a lot and it's, it's probably also created an opportunity for them to then network with whoever the, the organisation of the individual was. What's next? That was a particular project you've set up. Yeah. And it's ongoing and rolling on, whether it's written out in the plan or it's still at the back of your head. What's the next sort of big thing you want to, you want to work on, you want to unlock? Well, a bit like the exercise you're doing, I think the, the area of podcasting is <laughs> something we would, we would want to look at. Um, because obviously a lot of the people we, we get to speak are busy, so you often have to work in with their diary. But, you know, maybe to start a podcast series would be be something we would be keen to do. But also now post-COVID, the, the ability to get people into the office to speak is we'll be doing more of that because the sessions we have run have been very useful. But, you know, we're obviously conscious there's, there's lots of people out there doing similar work so is there opportunities mm-hmm. to work so the, the one that i particularly like is the the sessions that the edinburgh science festival their climate collabs are always excellent events so 
you know, it's also looking at opportunities for us to contribute or support those kind of other organizations who are, who are working in a similar space. That sounds really interesting and important. Is that, I was going to say, it's, it's a very sort of like, not like a comms focus there, but it's like that sort of a, like it's, it's that continuing that networking, that information exchange, that knowledge sharing and learning. Do you see that as the primary focus or is that sort of like sustainability agendas going deeper and further and faster on sustainability that you want to pick up? Or is that like, no, we're doing the right sort of stuff. It's like, just let's communicate, let's talk more, let's learn more, let's, or is there a... I think, yeah, I think there's there's two elements to it. There's one, there's the kind of more strategic messaging and that wider understanding, but it's also maybe starting to drill down in some of the technical solutions. So we've been working with Scottish Futures Trust on the net zero standard for non-domestic buildings. So you're starting then to get into really quite a technical area in terms of operational carbon, embodied carbon, but also the whole the whole place agenda. So I'd be keen also to start to do more specialised sessions where we start to drill into some of that detail and what does that look like? Because ultimately, it'll be the successful delivery of things like the, the net zero building standard that will start to to mean that we're heading more on the road to, to net zero. So I think it's a case of balance, you know, where there's a real sort of technical interest then a bit of an upskilling and a sharing around that those specifics. But those then will be sessions that are of much more interest to technical experts rather than more sort of strategic sustainability people, because you will be getting into quite fine detail. So it's about it's about uh, getting a balance between strategic and, and detailed, but ultimately to to move the agenda on sustainability and net zero. It sounds like you're in a really really interesting and sorry, privilege is not quite the right word, but it's like you're sort of inside part of the system, one of the organisations that's really trying to do the technical stuff and the social stuff around that, which is required to take us as a society on that net zero journey. Yeah. So not quite the belly of the beast, the wrong word, in dialogue with the government and the civil servants, the various professional bodies and stuff that are trying to drive this. What's that like? How does that, how does it feel? I mean, it's your life, but it's like, yeah. most people, it's like, wow, that's sort of interesting. Well, you use the word privilege and it's, it's right. It does. I do feel very privileged because, you know, the beauty of sustainability is it's you're looking at a whole range of levers to, to deliver sustainability and from a personal perspective that's what i really like I, I like that kind of breadth of you know it's it's a it's a big toy box to play with you know there's there's all sorts of things in there whether it's you know running webinars or doing policy papers or supporting projects and it's really you know it's great to get a balance between all those things and also just you know the fact that we work across so many different sectors whether it's transport or buildings or you know water and various other aspects of infrastructure I think there's a real opportunity for joint learning or you know or co-creation of solutions between those sectors so something like you know infrastructure whether it's you're doing water road rail whatever you're probably pouring a lot of concrete so how can we reduce that how can we make that low carbon concrete and again I think I said earlier you know when we did the ICE report, we saw that you know pretty much every organisation was doing something really well. But I think the challenge, not only for us here in Scotland and but further afield, we just need to get on and deliver. Now you know we know how to do it, 
we know the size of the challenge. We just can't keep speaking about it. We actually got to start producing infrastructure that's much more car low carbon, that's much more resilient, because that's the reality of the, the environment we're, we're operating in. So I, I think, you know, going forward, it's, it's the whole question of delivery needs to be ramped up and ramped up substantially. You know, we've heard the chief executive of Scottish Power talking about some of the work they've gone. I mean, it's just, it's massive, massive scale in terms of deploying offshore renewables, onshore renewables, new grid, we're at potentially a really exciting time. I'd like to take a moment just now to let you know about our next event. If you've been listening for a while, you'll know that most people are concerned about climate change and would like to make more sustainable choices in their lives. Despite this open door, most business sustainability initiatives fail to engage staff, and as a result, they miss their targets. The reason is that most initiatives don't pay enough attention to what genuinely motivates colleagues, nor do they recognise the barriers that hold back even the most highly motivated employees from taking action. On Wednesday the 22nd of May, join me and Jamie, the creator of the Most Sustainable Workplace Index, and learn how the index can help you tap into and unlock most employees' latent motivation to do the right thing for people and planet. You'll discover how the index can help you to gather hard evidence of what's working and what needs attention across locations and divisions and seniority levels. You'll identify the focus areas where the sustainability team, L&D, HR and so on, should allocate time and resources to make the most progress. And you'll discover how you can demonstrate year-on-year -year progress with consistent and comparable data on sustainability culture. And you can use that for action planning, reporting, benchmarking and accreditation. Do join us on Wednesday the 22nd of May. You'll find the link in the show notes. You talk about this need for ramping up and significant change. Yeah. What's going to allow that to happen? What do we need to be doing? Because in some ways, we've known a lot of this stuff Absolutely. for ages. Yeah. It's like, okay, we've been, you know, this is a common critique of Scottish government and like, you have lovely plans, great ambitions, but where's the delivery? And that, that's, that's sort of you know, a bit unfair in some ways, yeah. but like, okay, but we've known it for a while. So what's going to change now that's going to get us ramping this up? I think there's a whole, there's, there's quite a range of things. I mean, there's been a lot of concern about, regulation, whether that's planning or, or other bits of environmental regulation, which I think are really, really important. But we also know that something like the planning services is enormously under-resourced at the moment. So we need to get a, a regulatory regime that's properly resourced to start ensuring that when people do have proposals to bring forward, that they don't take years and years and years to consent because we don't have that time anymore. You know, we do talk about the climate emergency, so taking five or six years to get consent is not really matching up with the, the, the needs we've got. So I think there's something around regulation. I think there's the development of a supply chain, because, you know, if the whole world is going to start deploying a lot more offshore wind, those turbines, that, that kit needs to come from somewhere. There's going to be a lot of demands. Then again, if you look at Scotland, it's reinforcing of our port infrastructure for the deployment of offshore wind. So there's a whole range of things that need to happen to ensure that delivery takes place, plus funding, obviously. But mm -hmm. I would say that the certainly the, the, the policy backdrop is in a pretty good position. It's just now we need to start procuring and developing and mm -hmm. getting on with it and decarbonising our energy system even mm -hmm. further. So you mentioned 
mentioned the chief executive of Scottish Power talking about their ambitions and so on. You've got a lot of your clients talking about what they're trying to do and what they what they want to do next. Yeah. So where the good stuff is happening, what's driving that? But also, is that happening at scale or is it just like this relatively small sector of the, the industry? Yeah. And what does it take to spread that out? That's, that's a really great question. So uh, to answer the first bit, you know, where we do see success, I would say that probably comes down to the leadership of one, either an individual or an organization. And if I refer back to the piece of work we did for ICE Scotland, you know, we address some of the issues in terms of delivery of, of net zero infrastructure, but we also highlighted some good practice. So one of the areas of good practice was the, the, the work that Dundee have been doing around development of EVs, EV infrastructure, both to support more people getting EVs in the city, but also decarbonizing the fleet. And that's been led by an individual who's been working in that area for years and, you know, done a brilliant job. And I think, well, that's fantastic for Dundee, but why, why are we not seeing other places just copy that model? So it does come down a lot to the individual because the individual knows how to get the support they need. They know the characters. So essentially, it kind of comes down to people. You know, we have the great phrase in Glasgow, people make Glasgow. Well, you know, people make sustainability as well. So I think it's down to, to leadership and it's also down to collaboration. So another example we highlighted was that Scottish Power had funding through, I think it was the Green Recovery Fund. They used that money to upgrade the grid around the Paul Medi bus station. In doing that, that then allowed First Bus to start to deploy far more electric buses on the system or in the streets of Glasgow. So that was, you know, using some targeted funding to improve a situation that allowed then somebody else to to bring forward a more sustainable service. So I think collaboration and leadership are, are the two kind of key things I think we need for really starting to ramp up. Let's take the first one of those. So so leadership, you know, you said all these initiatives that there's good stuff happening, is there's the leadership of one individual who's really driving that. You can't speak for them, but what you see Where's that leadership coming from? Why are they doing this? Why are they putting their head above the parapet? I think it's probably a personal passion, but that passion may be driven by, you know, the greater good in terms of making the world more stable, or it may be just they love the technology, you know, they've got a real interest in in supporting and bringing forward new technologies. So, yeah, I can't really speak for them, but I think they, they completely get it in terms of what they're doing is about demonstrating good practice and actually changing things and delivering. It's not always just about developing a policy. It's actually about making changes on the ground and getting the infrastructure in place that allows change to to move forward. And I guess the second bit, the collaboration, I'm sure you're probably in a little bit of a better situation to talk about this from your role, but when what are the factors around collaboration around sustainability what is it that needs to be in place for those collaborations to be successful in your experience i think there needs to be a sort of set of relationships but i think everyone needs to know what their place is in the sort of the the delivery of projects so whether that's around consenting whether it's around designing whether it's around making the thing more resilient but there's even some basic things that you know if if we're looking at sites for the delivery of a, a major piece of infrastructure, you know, we need to check are the access 
points to that site up to scratch you know so that there's there's quite a lot of base level knowledge you need to know in terms of the location you know what are the issues around consenting what's the history you know are local people on board with it because you know in a world where social media is king people can you know local campaigns can be quite vociferous and I'm not saying they shouldn't be but information can get skewed as well so I think there's we do need to do a lot of work in terms of stakeholder engagement because I think generally people are sometimes challenged by change and if we are going to get to net zero then we do need to change so I think there's quite a lot of work to be done in terms of education and you know what we both hear it there's some just absolute nonsense talked about some of the aspects of sustainability you know mm-hmm. there's been particularly recently some of the the nonsense around you know the restrictions imposed by having a 20-minute neighborhood let's not go there yeah exactly so can i just take us back to what you were just saying there i asked about collaboration i can't remember the words you said but you talked about everyone knowing their place in that system yeah and you talked about you know needing to understand access routes and the bridges strong enough yeah. and stuff like that that sounds very much like a sort of like an analytic process, you know, you can sort of do some do some mapping and you can create yeah. a spreadsheet or something, you know, you can say that. But where's the human element in the collaboration there? I mean, there must be, but where does that come in for you? Well, I think increasingly we see, you know, strong project teams being put together. So you look at the skill sets you need. So as I mentioned earlier, work we do on social value will be really important because it's very important, I think, to explain the local benefit that a new project may bring and what are the, the wider benefits. But it's ensuring that it, the the setup of the project, there's a set of goals. And that, that's why I really like going back to the UN SDGs because you know, not every project will deliver every UN SDG, but it starts to show you the, the kind of benefits you can deliver across a range of aspects. So that means that engineers need to work with planners, you need to work with you know, social scientists, environmentalists, and people with deep technical expertise as well. And I'm also quite interested at the moment in terms of there's a lot of talk about digital twins. So the ability now, and I think you know, what we see here, we've got some fantastic um, people working on visualization to actually show a community what the end product may look like, I think is increasingly important as well, because you know, that should give comfort that it's Mm -hmm. not just a big hole in the ground or whatever it is, there'll actually be something at the end of it. And, you know, now I see at my college, we can basically fly through things, you know, we can get really in-depth standing of what is going to be delivered and, you know, even the staging of that. Mm -hmm. And I think that ability to show how a project will will move forward is very important as well. I mean, when we were chatting a little bit before we turns it on for yeah. broadcast, as it were. You're talking a bit about you've been involved in this area for a, for a really long time, but you mentioned back in the sort of mid-90s. Yes. So, and you're still here. <laughs> Can't get rid of me. <laughs> We've seen an awful lot of ups and downs. What keeps you going in through all of that? What's brought you in and keeps you going? Yeah, I find it a fascinating area because of the, the breadth of things you can do. But I've also been incredibly lucky over my career to work with some brilliant people. And that brings you huge joy. I mean, and uh, and rewards. So I've been very lucky with the colleagues I've had. Been had very supportive management, and yeah, it's just and every day is kind of different. You know, it's, it's you don't really know what the week will hold because we're moving 
you know, there's policy changes or there's project changes. There's there's quite a lot to keep up with, and just staying on top of what's what's happening. You know, just even across Scotland, Ireland, Northern Ireland, there's you know a lot of change. So there's a there's a real interest for me in the whole subject. As you've noticed, I've been here a long time, but but I'm here a long time because I really enjoy it. One of the things, I mean, I've, I've been involved in sustainability for pretty much the same length of time, I think. And one of the things that really sort of frustrates me, I guess, quite often, too often probably, is hearing, you know, reading an article or hearing someone speaking about something and they're going, this is this amazing sort of new issue. We really must address such and such. And you're thinking, we were talking about that 20 years ago. I mean, you must yes. have had that experience. And oh, very much so, very what, much what, so. And How does that leave you? <laughs> what does that there's, mean? A, there's, a, I suppose, a degree of frustration that, you know, if we go back to the example of, you know, we've seen some amazing good practice in Scotland over the years, but not enough of it has been scaled up. We seem to then have to do another pilot project and we just don't need any more pilots. So there is a huge frustration that we can't seem to get our hands around the good stuff. But, you know, in the last year or so, there's ICE report we did, the Committee on Climate Change did a report, ECCI did a report, the Net Zero Committee of Scottish Parliament did a report. There's a lot of kind of key themes around them, and key themes are we need better collaboration. We probably we do need more funding, but we just need to start getting on and delivering. But the collaboration thing really needs to be improved. And you know, this, this is a kind of almost a harsh reality that people are very busy. So even just the basics of trying to get people together, whether on a room or on a screen, can sometimes be enormously challenging. That's just the way it is because people are busy. So I think there's maybe we need to find a way to ensure that we focus on on the things that are really important in terms of people's time. But that's a challenge. It is indeed. To what extent do you think that people do feel this is important? Obviously, the people who are championing this stuff and your staff, the team, know it's important. Yeah. But, you know, out there, people who are maybe being asked to get involved in a project which is like sustainability or low carbon, to what, and, but it's not really their thing. To what, to what extent yeah. do you think people do understand that it's important and that it matters? So I think, Jill, I think people do understand. I think there's increasing awareness because, you know, pretty much there's a climate change story in the paper almost every day or or stories around more local situations about the environment or employment or whatever. So I think people get it. I question what they then do about it. And I think that's harder to get your hands around. But then, you know, we're seeing um, things like Extinction Rebellion, some of the other organisations. There's a, there's a much more visible manifestation of people's concerns, I would say. But yeah, and I think there's probably a job for us all to do to try and demystify and explain what you can do as an individual to reduce your, you know, your your own footprint. And I think people are doing that, but you're up against a, a massive consumerism <laughs> set, a set of marketing that yeah. will lure you into having to have new shiny things. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a whole whole separate subject. Yeah, I, I, was, I was particularly thinking of like in the professional context, you're saying people are really busy. Yeah. So it's like, well, okay, people are busy, they're doing something. Yeah. That's so true. We'll, that's true. You know, and what I, is it that what is it that it takes like for, to people who are sort of not if it's not part of their job description at the moment? It's like, but they're 
their involvement in this project is going to be crucial because whatever skills they have, whether that's data or whether it's marketing yeah. or whatever, they're needed in this. And yes, but they're yeah. like saying, "Well, I'm too busy," and it's like not my thing. It's like, well, hmm. what's how do you unlock that? So I think often the way we do it is we we'll get two things, and what's one is we just set a, a series of sustainability challenges targets at the outset of the project to ensure that we're looking to deliver that broader set of of needs and another thing we do in MOTS is, is for clients we have what we call sustainability integrators so it's a bit like you know good back to that thing it's about annoying it's about ensuring that there's somebody tasked within the project team to deliver sustainability and, and that might not be necessarily a technical role, but challenging colleagues who have the technical capability to come up with more sustainable solutions. That's an interesting one. So tell me a bit more about that. How does it work in practice? As it so at the outset of a project, you obviously have a, a kickoff with the, the client. So you look to explore the ways that you can deliver not only the CSPs of infrastructure, but how do you deliver it in a way that also helps that client meet its own corporate needs? So I, you know, always say to my colleagues, you know, ensure you know what the people we're working for, what their aspirations are around sustainability, so that we can kind of feed that into to what we're doing. But it's a slight observation that was in previous employer, we had a presentation from a, a leading global company on sustainability at corporate level. The, the story was brilliant. But then when I said to my colleagues working with them, so, you know, how are we delivering in that? And they say, well, their project managers don't ask for any of those things. They're, we need to join the join up the dots in terms of if organizations are setting changing targets, then they need to ensure that those set of targets are also part of the, you know, their their delivery of projects. So we just need to join those things up. But that's that's through understanding, it's through knowledge, it's through sharing that what we'll get there. I want to finish with asking you what what book or what video or something along those lines would you recommend to other sustainability leaders? Yeah, I was thinking of this and so and I haven't read it yet, but I understand <laughs> that the new book Five Times Faster is a very good piece of writing. So I do need to get my hands on that. Alan, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking with you and uh, learning more about what's going on inside Mott McDonald. So much fascinating stuff going on inside Mott McDonald and lots of interesting insights into the bigger picture. I'm looking forward to discussing all this with Morag in the next episode. We will be picking out key insights and opportunities to help you lead on sustainability. You'll find the show notes for this episode at realize.earth slash 112. To make sure you don't miss future episodes and news of events and other resources, sign up for our email newsletter at realize.earth slash podcast. I'm Osbert Lancaster, and I hope this episode of Leadership for Sustainability will help you lead on sustainability in your organisation. You'll find additional resources, masterclasses and programmes on our website at realize.earth. What you're doing is so important now more than ever. Be sure to look after yourself. Bye for now.